0: let's start the show welcome to for the sake of phoenix a podcast by missio day communities where we discuss how a community of god's people can learn to grow in god's ways for the sake of our city i'm chris preby i'm one of the hosts and one of the pastors of missio day phoenix we believe the bible tells one unified story and it's the true story of the whole world a story that moves from creation to restoration, where Jesus is the hero and the church is invited to join in his redemptive work. We started this podcast during the COVID-19 pandemic, so this first episode, as well as many to follow, will discuss how the church can pivot in a pandemic. Everyone is being forced to change their daily rhythms and routines right now, but how can followers of Jesus intentionally rearrange our lives in order to join in the work of God and see the flourishing of our city continue for God's glory Before I go any further, let me introduce you to my friend, co-pastor, and co-host of the show, Anthony Suarez. My
1: name is Anthony Suarez. I am an elder at Missio de Phoenix. I am also a full-time math teacher. I am a husband of a beautiful wife, been married. We just celebrated our 13-year anniversary a couple days ago, and I am the father of three boys, 11 eight and six. So currently, because of this coronavirus, we are homeschooling them. Even though I am a teacher and my wife is also a full-time sub at at my boys' charter school, uh, homeschooling your own kids is very different than teaching other people's kids. So just trying to find a new rhythm and routine and navigate this new way of life for the next, hopefully just for the next few weeks.
2: I'll yeah, edit this in post. Yeah, you need some. Oh,
1: yeah, I need all the milk.
0: I don't um, we need a sign or something. Yeah, well, or I could tell you ahead of time what we're doing. Well, you could do that, too.
2: I'm pretty sure I did. That, no, was, a, that did was a jab. It. You just
0: said you were <laughs> meeting with Anthony. You didn't tell me what you are doing.
2: Okay.
1: Or when you started. Last time you guys came here to
0: record, you talked for an hour before you even recorded.
1: True that. We'll give you that one. Good job.
2: And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording this in a coffee shop that we started uh, in Sunny Slope to give job life skills training to vulnerable youth. And so trying to keep it open as long as we can. To continue to provide shifts for them and paid work, um, but we're just serving to-go orders and things like that. So, occasionally you will hear the sounds of coffee being ground in the background oh, or right. some chatter. It smells amazing. It's I mean, that's not just your deodorant either. Oh. No, I didn't put any on <laughs> When you're in quarantine, why bother? Right? Well, my wife begged a to differ. That's true. So, we two are homeschooling for the first time also have three boys about the same age twin boys that are 11 and third boy who is seven and we are not teachers so well you're a teacher of the word this is true (laughs) (laughs) but as far as like the daily lesson plan and staying on top of them and And it's been a unique challenge trying to continue pastoring people from a social distance, Mm -hmm. doing much of that work at home, still trying to actually work while having to homeschool three kids at the same time. Uh, And so that's been, it's been challenging to say the least. There's also been lots of really great things that have come through, lots of sweet moments. Uh, I'm thankful for extra time with my kids. Right. Right but we're just trying to figure out new rhythms of life. Yeah, We wanted to do this podcast because, number one, we want to have more connection points with our church family that we aren't able to see altogether as often anymore. Uh, and two, we wanted to resource people as much as we can. And just how do you continue to live in light of this current situation? And in particularly, how do we continue to be the church in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of social distancing, in the midst of all the fears and anxieties that go along with uh, the coronavirus being passed around, uh, and maybe even in the midst of skepticism as well. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do a series of these. This first one, kind of a broad general overview of what what does the church look like in the midst of a pandemic? We don't have all the answers, but we thought, we could at least have a conversation and share that conversation. And maybe the spirit could use that conversation as you're listening to it to spark some, something in your imagination, your creativity. And what does this look like for us over the next few weeks, maybe few months? We don't really know. So that's our question for today is what does the church look like during a pandemic? We are in a pandemic this is everybody is affected even if you don't get covid-19 everybody is affected by this yeah in one way or another and so what does the church look like during that time i've been thinking a lot about that and i don't have many answers hopefully anthony has some
1: yeah we invite you to join us in this conversation and we invite you to continue this conversation amongst your family amongst your friends on Zoom or FaceTime or wherever you're gathering um, to continue to seek the Spirit. And what, how you can continue to be the church um, in this time? So I think maybe maybe we should start with what um, what has the pandemic done? What has this coronavirus done to our regular rhythm of church? Mm-hmm. Uh, how has it affected that? Um, and then maybe how is it can, disrupted? Yeah, how is it right. disrupted? And then and then maybe we can get to circle back around and, and how do we um, amidst amidst or amongst in the midst of that <laughs> disruption um, continue to continue to be the church? Because the church in general, I mean the church is often defined as social nearness, not social distance. Hmm. And so I think a lot of people are struggling to, one, be loving to their neighbor might look like social distancing. So how do I continue to, you know, like it just seems weird and ironic and opposite in a lot of ways of what we've been preaching on Sunday mornings to now we're being told to live in an opposite way on the surface level yeah. you know and so um so part of the disruptions that this has brought is you know regular regular gatherings mm-hmm. you know we've on sunday mornings or if you you know if you're involved in a small group of typically all of small groups are larger than 10 um so well, we have not, families that are maybe. 10 in the yeah.
2: church, so then they, you had one person in that, you're already yeah. past the threshold.
1: Um, so yeah, so part of that disruption is just we can't gather yeah. in one place anymore. Which was, I mean, for a lot of churches, is the, I mean, that's where relationships are built, that's where relationships are developed and invested in and not just on on Sunday morning gatherings but you know it's, it's a it's a time and it's a place where everybody knows can come together um, and to see people and to continue a relationship that you might not see throughout the week mm-hmm. so now we can't do that so what is you know what is what does that look like now
2: yeah yeah there's been a lot of Stuff thrown around about, like, oh, no, church is canceled, you know, everywhere. Like, that's what I'm, I haven't heard that language from my family, but from my church family, but from a lot of just the the socials, you know, yeah. <laughs> on the interwebs. Yeah. That's the phrase passed around. It's like, actually, just to kind of encourage and, and hopefully take heart, like, church is not canceled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are still called to be the church. Right. We are the body of Christ, the church uh, at work in the world through the power of the spirit who still indwells in us, who still fills us and empowers us to take part of God's mission through, through what he's doing, right? mm-hmm. and, and yet, in a very real way, the rhythms of what that looked like have to change, at mm-hmm. least for now, um, potentially lasting impacts on how it's changed. But at least for now, we have to be real about it. it's going to change. And so mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we're starting to see in a lot of the church across America is if if primarily church has been about gathering on Sunday and showing up to be a, a partaker of or a spectator of a, a show. Con- a consumer. A consumer, yeah. It's like suddenly you can't consume that anymore right? you know i was i was having a conversation with someone like all the people who just recently left their Mm -hmm. church to go to the a bigger show to have like more programs or uh the worship bands better or the speakers better Mm -hmm. it's like suddenly (laughs) none of that matters anymore yeah talk about like a big part of living out this christian life is how jesus sat around the table with people share a meal with somebody have someone over and we can't really do that the yeah. same way anymore and so what does that look like in the midst of social distancing and i think you know to your point the the one of the big things this has done for the churches is it's disrupted our rhythm of gathering and so now as the church how do we and the power of the spirit with the creativity the father's given us at creation how do we create intentional new rhythms to overcome that um, and i, I kind of like this isn't like a tangible thing but i kind of i want to throw this out there i kind of like the phrase physical distancing much better mm. because we're social creatures we're social yeah. beings and the church <clears throat> needs to be involved in, in society. How do we not distance ourselves from society and just go crawl into a hole until all this passes away? How do we not distance ourselves socially from our neighbor, even though we do have to, like like you said, to love our neighbor, we have to remove a, a physical mm. uh, distance from us. Like we have to put this physical barrier between us. So physical distance, yes. Don't get people sick. Love your neighbor. Be responsible by not caring. <laughs> This virus around, passing it to one another. But how do we still socially engage?
1: Uh, I you don't have the answers. In this no, already? not all. I, one of the things I, mean, we, I gave you a day <laughs> to put these thoughts together. One of the things I started to do, uh, I started to go old school and write letters mm. to people to mail.
2: Um, Where'd you find a pen and pencil? I got, and I'm paper. a
1: teacher, bro. I got tons of those things. <laughs> I thought it's all computers now. No, and no. tablets, not, not yet. Um, just to write letters, you know, and, and I think even just that, I, I, that's a lost art in and of itself Um, to sit down and intentionally write a letter to somebody hmm. um, and, and I found it to be just a neat experience because it is so different. The difference between writing a letter to a friend or to a family member and writing an email. I don't know if I I fully understood the difference just in that dynamic, but being forced to now, like I could still write an email and it'd probably be in some ways it'd probably be even safer because You know, like, I don't know if the paper or envelopes infected or whatever, you know, like, (laughs) I know there's a lot of fear with that with some people. But um, just sitting down, like, even just the process of sitting down, taking time, thinking through what I want to write, because there's not this sense of like, well, I can just erase it, backspace, say something different. It's like, no, what do I really want to say to this person? Yeah. What do I think they need to hear? Um, what I feel like God's telling me that this person needs to hear or to say to this person. So it's spending some time in prayer just before even writing that. I think it's just been a good process for me, something I didn't know that I would
2: enjoy as much as I did. Um, I love that because so we're as a church going through 1 Thessalonians and one of the many letters of Paul to a church that we have that pretty much all the letters have something in common, which is I wish I could be with you, Mm -hmm. but I can't. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a virus, you know, in this situation for Paul, it was, he got ran out of town because they didn't want the gospel preached there in the city, Uh, but he couldn't come back for safety reasons. Mm -hmm. He couldn't be near to them. And so he uses the technology of the day, and he sends a letter, uh, and in that letter, in, in this art of writing, he's able to be very intentional in crafting his thoughts, and and we know it's actually inspired by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Those words, and so I love that of just like sitting down, taking the time to craft words together in an intentional way to someone to let them know like you love them, they're very dear to you, and. To your point, like there is something more you're gonna be more purposeful in having saying something of worth and value in a letter than you would in an email. Mm-hmm. Where we have so many emails, texts, um, social status updates that are just like nonsense, <laughs> you know, or it's just whatever's on the top of your head in the moment. Um or you typically with emails it's like it's quick and to the point, let's get this done. But a letter is more from the heart. You're not gonna go through the trouble of mailing something unless it has a deeper value and, and purpose to it.
1: know we're in the season of lent so in the season of lent our our family decided to well my wife and i decided to to give up media our our kids were not very excited about that idea um but they eventually came around uh, and so for lent we gave up media and for me specifically social media um and so it, I, wasn't even, I wasn't even engaging in social media in this time. And so I, I was kind of disconnected on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, all of the di- different um, apps and platforms. But uh, in this time, I, I was like, well, since, since I can't really see anybody physically, I'm, I'm going to jump back on. So I started to log back on to Facebook and, and Instagram. And very quickly, I realized I didn't miss I didn't miss these very much. <laughs> Instagram maybe a little bit more, just because it's more picture oriented, and I love seeing pictures about different people. But then, but then even then, um, I, I just sensed that there is in this in the midst of social distancing, a lot of people are adding to social noise. Mm. And so hopping back on the social media instantly was bombarded with all this social noise. Yeah. Around, you know, most of it right now, it's, it, you know, it's, it's the topic of the day on Facebook and Instagram. And so obviously, most of the posts and stories and all that revolve around coronavirus and how it's impacted different families and kids and some of it, uh, again, some of it we need to be reminded of, like... Was reminded of how this virus affects my friends with uh, kids with disabilities yeah and I'm like yeah I need to be reminded of how this social distancing how the schools closing how restaurants and normal like museums and zoos and all of these places closing how it is affecting people beyond my immediate family or my immediate sphere of influence mm-hmm. right So some of it was good, and I need to be reminded of that. But I would say 95% of it is memes and, you know, stories of, like, I don't like my kids being home, Um, (laughs) you know, like, I I was thankful that I did see How many
2: pictures of toilet paper have you seen? Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so even the videos, if you see people hoarding, right, you see people, like, videos of I saw one of this lady, she just bought a whole, every box of toilet paper and um, paper towels at the store. Mm. She bought, she bought everyone. So wow. nobody else could have any. Wow.
2: So it's things like that where you're just like, man. I loved, you said something a while back when this was starting to go down and stuff was starting to hit the fan, of like on that topic of hoarding. And you're like, what if the church, didn't say the word hoard like instead of hoarding what if the church was collecting items not to hold on to but to give away uh, to those who needed it to give away to the elderly who couldn't get out and shop for themselves to give away to you know the families that are experiencing deeper levels of poverty that you know need access to these items and can't now because everyone else is hoarding it right. Mm -hmm. What if we were collecting these things, not for ourselves, but to give out? And I was like, "Dude, that's—it's so simple. It's so brilliant, and it's totally the heart of Christ and what the church should be doing." You brought up Lent, and I think it's fascinating. Did you know the connection between Lent and quarantine? No, I just found this out. So, quarantine started like with like Black Death, bubonic plague, right? Mm-hmm. And they would, um, they're actually, it was first called Trentino. I don't know hmm. if I said that right. But 30 days, people were, you know, when they coming off the ships, kept separate from everybody else, social distance. And then, um, I think around the Spanish flu, maybe is what I read, where it turned into 40 days. But so from Trentino to Quarantino. Hmm. And the reason, had a lot to do with um, like Christian tradition of of Lent, hmm. and so they were actually tying it to, hey, you're you're actually going through this season of wilderness, of despair,
1: hmm.
2: <laughs> of isolation, even, uh, and, and changing your rhythms around for the sake of others, and for the sake of human flourishing, and for the sake of uh, like when you come out of this desert you will enter into like new life you know they were making this allegorical connection between this isolation for health reasons with with the flu and plague and all that and then entering back into the flourishing of life and connecting that around the season of Lent, which i thought was fascinating so 40 days which is the this period of lent Mm -hmm. that we enter into as uh, well, much of the Christian church, not all, uh, will intentionally still enter into as a reminder of we're going through that wilderness and, and reminding ourselves of um, of pain and brokenness and sickness and death and loss in the world because of sin being here. And yet, just as Jesus came out of that wilderness 40 days later, as the Israelites wandered for 40 years and then entered the promised land, um, we remember on Easter
1: mm-hmm.
2: that new life has arisen. Mm. And I think that's fascinating because as we're in quarantine now, um, it, which literally comes from 40, yeah, it ironically happened during the season of Lent. Mm. And I'm just praying for us to one, come out of that season soon where mm-hmm. we can enter into like, just be reminded of the celebration of life mm-hmm. as doors start opening back up again and parties start taking place again and people start entering into community in person with one another once again but in the meantime how do we take that lenten quarantine season with intentionality Mm -hmm. how do we enter into those new rhythms with purpose Mm -hmm. you know
1: prepared for a new way of life Mm -hmm. you know and so uh, that's that's why we're doing this and that's kind of you know that's our heart behind it of what does this new way of life look like you know and you know things may go back to normal in a month or two or six you know We, we don't really know but I think in this season recognizing I think it's important for us to ask, if we have fear, if we are afraid, if we're anxious, what is the root of that? Hmm. Um, Is it lack of control? Is it uh, fear of of death, of of myself or a loved one? Um, And if so, why? You, You know, like entering into just that space of like, where is this fear coming from? Because fear often will manifest itself in anxiety um, depression y- you know it f- fear will manifest itself in the body and ailments and uh, a lot of different things and so um, just what is what is the root of that and i and I encourage you as as I often do go before the Lord and, and ask the spirit like what where is this coming from mm-hmm. and then sit and listen um, because oftentimes you know we'll we'll ask the question and then for me I'll, I'll ask the question or I'll be praying and then I get super distracted and I don't I don't have a good rhythm of listening and that's something mm-hmm. I've been trying to work on so in the, in the midst of a quarantine there's mm-hmm. nothing like God taking a lot of distraction away yeah. for you to be able to sit and listen.
2: Um, it's interesting though, like that is one of the huge potential benefits of this, you know, finding the silver lining or finding the, um, finding like that good plant sprouting up in the midst of weeds and thorns and thistles, finding like the, how is God at work even in the midst of brokenness is like, yeah, there's, that's one of the many things people are starting to talk about. is like, I have time now to spend with the Lord or to listen or to Mm -hmm. listen to my kids or my spouse or, you know, but I was just thinking like how easy it is still, as you talked about social noise earlier, how easy it is to still tune all that out. Yeah. Even in, even in quasi quarantine, even, um, spending more time at home, not going into work, even in having all this extra time on our hands, it is so easy still to not listen to, the Lord and to tune certain things out and to listen instead to all the, mm. the social noise that's out there, yeah. to, you know, binge on Netflix all day long mm. or to you know, your phone, whether it's Candy Crush or Instagram. <laughs> it, because I think where a lot of that comes from is the fear and anxiety you're talking about. And what we want to do is we want to self-medicate and we want to find an escape.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: At least that's my tendency. When I start feeling a little bit of anxiousness, fear, real emotions that we all experience. Uh, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to sit in the silence and have to face what's going on inside of me. So let me drown it out. Let me tune it out by putting other things on that will distract me in the yeah. moment. And so I think the real um task for the believer right now and for the church is you know how do we actually press into those moments when you're sitting there and you start to feel that anxiety come on the fear come on or just even you know the in in the silence the lord starts speaking to you about conviction of anything that might be going on how do we instead of quickly tuning it out and moving somewhere else actually lean into that and sit in that and Take on new rhythms that actually will foster that, just mm. to, to begin to produce better fruit.
1: To so take it back to what, like what church what does the church look like
2: in this pandemic
1: I think what've what I've started to think about is and I think what I've seen from from friends around me and from community around me is is they have taken the gifts that God has given them and repurposed to them
0: hmm.
1: so like you know if you have a gift of um, speaking, um, speaking, you know, like you, you could take that gift and speak directly to this on a on a on a different platform, right? If you have a gift of uh, sewing and knitting, instead of doing that for just for your kids or for your family or whatever, like repurposing that and doing it for the homeless yeah. and giving it away for free, um, you know, one of the things one of the things that I love doing on the side is some woodworking. And so I've even just thought of like, how can I take my love of just woodworking and repurpose it for the benefit of my community mm. around me? That's great. Um, so I, I think those are things that you can start to think through like, God, what have, what have you gifted me in? What am I good at? Or what do I like to do? What are projects that I like to do or, side things that I like to do and how can I repurpose it for the flourishing and the benefit of the community around me? You can still do it at a, you know, at a physical distance. Um, you can ship it or put it out on the porch or driveway and tell them to come pick it up or, um, deliver it, uh, somehow, but with gloves and a mask, on. with gloves and a mask on, if you have a mask and gloves, but, um, yeah, just, just kind of, Just thinking through those things, you know, like, because we're still called to be the church. We're still called, even in this time, to be a father to the fatherless, minister to the poor, those who are in prison. But how do we do that when we're not allowed to be physically um, near to them? And so, again, we don't have the answers to that. We're not like, these are three steps you need to do in order to be a good Christian in this time. But these are these are the questions we're asking too as we lead our church. How do we continue to lead uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that we are able to, we can still equip the saints for the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to look different. So how can we best do that uh, when we physically can't gather together and so that's our heart. And so again, just this is why we're having that conversation. And we'd love your feedback if you, yeah. if you have different ideas of, or if you've heard things, or you've seen things where you're like, "Man, this this really ministered my heart," or "I love that these people over here are doing this and uh, taking their gifts and using it like this." We'd we'd love to hear those things, and and we'd love to share those things with uh, with people who are listening, you know, so we can all kind of gather as a community and kind of get this sense of, okay, this, this is what it might look like now, uh, for the next few weeks or months. Um, but I'd also encourage like us to not, um, to, to going back to, to press into that fear and anxiety because when we come out of this, I would hate for us to just go back to life as normal. Uh, In some ways, we need to get back to life as normal. In some ways, our kids need to be in community, and they need to be in school. Uh, They need to be with peers and friends. Um, Businesses need to reopen. Um, You know, nonprofits need to reopen. There's a lot of things that need to go back to normal, that we, we pray that would go back to normal. But at the same time, specifically maybe for church, I feel like, in some ways, God is um, opening the eyes to maybe church leaders and church pastors on, like, what are, what are we building here? And this is a question we've asked, right? Like, with Missio de Phoenix, what are we building? If we feel like we're responsible for building it, I feel like God has kind of taken that away. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't build it right now. So how do you continue to equip the saints for the, for the work of ministry? And this isn't about you. Mm-hmm. This is about me equipping you through the power of the Holy Spirit to
2: equip my saints. We have so much more to talk about with this, but we're running out of time for today. And so our goal and our hope is to be able to do one of these a week and talk through different aspects of how this pandemic is affecting life as we knew it before, how the church can pivot in the pandemic to continue to see life flourish in the days ahead. Yeah. And so we'll talk about different issues, such as how do we walk our kids through this? How do we overcome fear and anxiety, which we touched a little bit on today? Uh, how does our, our work look and, and our vocation during these times? How do we continue to gather as God's people in the midst of physical distancing? Um, How do we find new needs that have arisen through this? And as the church mobilized to meet those needs. Mm -hmm. So many other questions too that will come up. And we would love for you to submit some questions that you might have on what the church should look like during these days. And as we said, we may not have the answers, but we will definitely engage in the discussion with you. Thanks for tuning in and we hope to be able to fill your ears with another episode soon.